welcome to Positively West Virginia, where each week we share positive stories about successful West Virginia businesses making a difference in our great state. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by the State Journal, WV News, and Interaction Media. Now, let's get down to business with your host, Jim Matuga. Coming to you live from the Interaction Media Studio in Morgantown, welcome to Positively West Virginia. I'm your host, Jim Matuga. Each week, we talk with West Virginia business leaders and share their success stories with people just like you in West Virginia and across the country. For those of you joining us live on Facebook, welcome and thanks for being with us. And those listening on the podcast, we're glad you're tuning in as well on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. When we first started this project back in 2017, one of the things we wanted to do was to encourage our listeners with inspirational business stories from right here in the Mountain State. I get to see so many positive things happening in West Virginia, businesses and nonprofit organizations every day that a lot of people never hear about. My team at Interaction Media is working to change that with this podcast so that people realize you don't have to leave West Virginia to find great opportunities that are right here in our state. And we just want to encourage people to stay here and build great organizations and great businesses right here in West Virginia. All of our guests are people who are actually getting that done. And I'm convinced we can all learn from their experiences and their stories. This week, we're going to visit with Michael Lipton. Michael is the director of what the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame located in Charleston, West Virginia. Michael, thanks for being on the show today. Oh, it's a pleasure, and thanks for asking me. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you on our show to talk about your story this week. Typically, we talk with business owners. Uh, occasionally, we, we talk with nonprofit directors and executive directors, and I'm so glad to have you on the show. I'm excited to learn more about the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame. The, the Hall of Fame was founded in 2005 as a nonprofit organization dedicated to documenting and preserving the rich and lasting contributions West Virginians have made to all genres of American music. One of the primary goals of the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame is to provide education through themed displays, curriculum development, and interactive sessions with students and teachers in schools around the state of West Virginia. Michael Lipton himself is an accomplished musician around the West Virginia music scene. He's a, an electric guitar player. I love that. He's also an entrepreneur as well, starting and leading the nonprofit organization dedicated to recognizing the many important musicians who have helped shape the rich spectrum of American music, from country music to classical and jazz to rock and roll, rhythm and blues, gospel and traditional. Their mission also includes, and I think this is very cool, establishing a permanent facility to house the Hall of Fame and an accompanying museum to exhibit and archive recordings and memorabilia. I invited Michael on the show today to talk about his organization, to share his story, and to give us uh, a little bit of insight into the organization he leads in West Virginia. Michael, take a minute, fill in some gaps from that very brief intro that I read, and just give us a little behind-the-curtain look into the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame. Well, um, I guess I first got the idea. Well, let me backtrack one 
I've I've run a couple of no profits before, but this is my first <laughs> non profit. <clears throat> and there's a difference, huh? And, yeah, well, there is and there isn't. But I um I just recently this is back in the end of two thousand and four, extricated myself from um um the newspaper graffiti, which uh it was a statewide kind of a alternative entertainment newspaper. Sure. Many, many um, of our listeners, I'm sure, remember the graffiti. Yep. Yeah. So we had that. Um, it was myself and Larry Gross. Um, he was one of the publishers and, and another friend, Frank Venezia. And we had it for, um, I guess, 15 years. I was the editor. And um, the writing was on the wall to get out of the hard copy publishing business or probably had been for a while. Anyhow. So, um, at the end of the year, we managed to, uh, find a buyer for it, Ogden publications, oddly enough. Hmm. Um, and I seem to remember I was in Nashville and I went to the country music hall of fame and I was driving home and I said, gee, I wonder why West Virginia doesn't have a, a music hall of fame, you know, because, hmm. Music is such an integral part of of life in this state, and always has been. Mm. So, um, yeah, I started talking to some people and um, got together some, uh, you know, potential board members. Anyhow, we fired the thing up. We got our nonprofit status in early 2005, and set about, uh, you know, kind of um, doing what we thought a uh, Hall of Fame should do, which, I mean, we didn't really know because we had no blueprint. <laughs> you know, we could look yeah. at, we could look at what some other organizations did, but right off the bat, we knew we would be smaller because West Virginia is smaller and poorer. So, um, but I think sometimes that, and I know mountain stage is, you know, is, is the same way when when you have to, uh, you know, really, uh, let me say, you know, operate on a bare bones budget, you become leaner and meaner and it's a little, and, and you're, and you're also more resilient too. It's a little harder to, um, you know, get booted off the thing because you're used to rolling with the punches. Yeah. So anyhow, <clears throat> the, um, so we, you know, and, and and it was a different financial situation back then. It was, um, it was much easier to, to get startup money, but we had our first induction ceremony in 2007. Mm. And, and we also didn't really, I mean, we didn't know what we were doing. Um, one of the mountain stage co-founders, Andy Ridenauer was on our board and he said, you know, we should get West Virginia public broadcasting involved and I didn't realize at the time what an important move that was mm. um, because it wouldn't be worth doing, putting all the time and money and effort into these ceremonies if they were not preserved in some way, Wow, you know, for, you know, for future generations or sure. even for next week for yes. that matter. Yeah. So, um, so we, uh, we did some voting and we came up, and we would never do this now with a list of 10 inductees. Mm. 
And the inductees for that year, it's an unbelievable lineup. Mm. Hugh Berry, a great jazz saxophonist from Wheeling. George Crumb, incredible avant-garde, one of the most important avant-garde classical composers that there is. Uh, Grew up right down the road from me in Charleston. Mm. Hazel Dickens, Mm. she needs no introduction. Little Jimmy Dickens, another one that's doesn't need an introduction. Johnny Johnson, who was Chuck Berry's keyboard player for many, many years and is credited with really being one of the architects of his sound. Mm. Clark Kessinger, one of the greatest old-time fiddlers, actually much more than an old-time fiddler, but um, he was from the Charleston area. Molly O'Day, who uh, one of the great, great country singers. Um, Blind Alfred Reed, a very interesting um, kind of hillbilly songwriter. That's what they used to call the music back then. Mm. Billy Ed Wheeler, um, one of uh, one of West Virginia's preeminent songwriters, and of course Bill Withers. Mm. So we didn't really know where to start. We thought Bill Withers was probably the biggest fish. So we said, "Well, let's try and get a hold of him." So we we got a word to him somehow. And uh, said, listen, we're starting this Hall of Fame. You're in our first class. Would you be willing to come here and accept the award? And his reply was, I wouldn't miss it for the world. Wow. And (laughs) at that point, we said, okay, maybe we're on to something here. And what we realized, that even for someone like Withers, who's been recognized many, many, many times by organizations much larger than ours, you know, all over, certainly all over the country, um, being recognized by your home state mm. is, is special. That's a and deal. Yeah. 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 Um, and that's something that's kind of held true hmm. for, we were, you know, um, this is our eighth induction ceremony that's going to air November 14th. Mm. So, um, it's, it's a thread that has remained true. It's incredible. And of course, Bill Withers, you know, he was from Raleigh County, uh, Slab Fork, I believe, West Virginia. Correct. And he just passed away. He pa- we lost Bill uh, this year. Yeah, right at the beginning of the um, COVID. Yeah. I mean, he didn't, yeah. he didn't die from that. Right, um, exactly. It was, uh, yeah. But I'll, that's, I'll also that's amazing. Yeah. yeah, keep going, I'll, keep going. Well, um. In your little, in your intro of what you are trying to do, um, you're trying to showcase jobs and opportunities yeah. so people, young people, I assume mm. you're talking about, can stay in West Virginia and not feel that they have to leave. One of our, we have a couple of education, mm. educational outreach programs, and one of them is called the Music Career Counseling Program. And we've been doing it since 2016. And what we do is we we bring music industry professionals into high schools and talk to kids um, about. And here's here's the kind of the little twist that we feel makes it more more relevant. We talk about, of course, performing careers, songwriting, you know, being a backing musician, all that stuff which is pretty obvious, but we also talk about non-performing careers and that can include um, a wide range of skills, everything from wardrobe to 
to catering, to um, electrician, to accounting, management, both tour management, personal management, uh, event production, hmm. studio engineering. So the whole, the whole gamut. And um, I feel like it's, it's been a very successful program. We've gone into, I think, 50 some schools and we focus on 11th graders because they're not 12th graders are kind of already out the door 11th mm -hmm. grade they still have time to mm. to uh you know give their career some thought and um you know and they're still in school for another year so um so it's been very interesting we have there's a, a woman who comes with us uh, a lot debbie matthews from charleston mm -hmm. she's a uh, a chef and a caterer and she's gone on the road catering for staying the Eagles, Dolly Parton, the Vans Warp tour. Um, <laughs> that's something. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And I think that's, uh, that's very important just to, you know, to, to illustrate to young people that, Hey, there's, there's a world out there, right. That you can be exposed to and you can really take your passion, something you might be very interested in, takes your talents leverage all that, find a place in the marketplace that will actually maybe pay you to do some of that stuff, right? <laughs> to your point of the nonprofit, yeah, well, and, and, and do something and, and follow your dream. Yeah, it's funny. Some of the little phrases that you just said are exactly what I say when I set this, when I introduce this program. Wow. Um, one of the things is, you know, if you can identify something you love to do, a passion, you're immediately luckier than probably 80% of the people out there. So true. Because most people, they don't have that in their life. And mm. if you do, you can kind of take it for granted. I mean, I, I do with music sometimes until it goes away for a while, like it has recently. Mm. But um, it's something that, you know, you can't buy. I mean, the old joke with music is that it's cheaper than therapy. Yeah. And, and it's totally true. Um, that's awesome. The other thing we say is like, and, uh, and, and part of how this dialogue came about when I would introduce again, this program at schools. Um, one time I, I, I said, well, how many of you think you want to leave West Virginia when you graduate? And like 75% of the hands went up. <sighs> so I started doing that regularly. Yeah. And then I started asking why? Mm. Well, um, some kids said, my teachers told me I needed to, oh, my guidance counselor told goodness. me I needed to. What? And, and so my response was, or is, you know, if you want to pursue, you know, regular nine to five job, work your 20 or 30 years, you know, and retire. Yeah. You're probably right. But if you want to do something on your own mm -hmm. and you want to carve out your own niche that, I really think uh, that you can get more help and there are at least as many, if not more opportunities in West Virginia, because mm -hmm. everybody from, you know, town council people up to the governor's office, if, you know, they're, de you know, we're all desperate to keep young people here mm -hmm. and especially ones that are creative and have motivation and are, um, you know, trying to do their own thing. So you can get an ear here, I think, much easier wow. than you can other places. Michael, that is powerful. And, I love that. I love that. Excellent. Well, and how we, and then how we illustrate this thing is, you know, I wasn't born here as 
Larry Gross says, I got here as soon as I could. <laughs> I, I stumbled into West Virginia when I was 19. Yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, and usually one or two of the other speakers are not from here originally. And we say, we stayed here because of the opportunities. Yeah. Wow. And that's um, something. You know, I. That's, a, that's awesome. Yeah. That's and, um, and, uh, and it just takes you, you know, it's a little tougher. This is, you know, it can be a tough place to get by here. You have to wear a few hats and all that. But I, like I said, I've been here since I was 19. Yeah. And, I still firmly believe that so it's a wonderful place to live. It's a wonderful place to to live your life, you know. And and a, you know, uh, especially now, yeah, you know. Exactly. And there are other people who are deciding that's true and moving here. Absolutely. I mean, I hear anyhow. Why? Well, uh, I've been so, I've been using the unofficial slogan that I created for West Virginia, which is West Virginia socially distancing since 1863. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was a T-shirt that came out as soon oh, as the virus happened. Yeah. Right, so I, I got a question for you. I mean, you're you're very excited about what you do. What's the thing that you're most excited about for the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame right now? Well, I, you know, since since March, things have changed dramatically. Um, you know, and hopefully this is a temporary change. We can no longer visit schools, so those. You know those visits that I was just talking about the music career counseling program were we're gonna start doing them on video and compile we just got a grant to do this to compile a library in fact, I thought about doing this before, and I wish I had because mm. then they'd already be there but um we'd have a, a library of these you know five to eight minute talks by these professional people mm. that people can access yeah so that's one of the things that's on our plate now. Hmm. We're also kind of applying around for grants to do a 30 minute documentary. We did a, um, a 60 minute documentary a few years ago called West Virginia, my home um, musicians in the mountain state. Hmm. And the message for that is kind of goes along with what we're talking about. I kind of came up with the idea when, when I realized of all the people we've talked to, and we've inducted 57 people, I believe, um, we really haven't talked to anybody who who's crashed and burned. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started thinking about that and wondering why. And I kind of, like I said, I didn't grow up here, but I kind of attributed to the foundation that people get when they grow up here. Yeah, and so that was kind of the premise of the movie. So, uh, of course, every, all the people we talked to, they talk about their careers, but we tried to get them to talk about it in context, in the context of what West Virginia, what growing up in West Virginia gave them, what kind of fundamental, you know, building blocks for getting through life, the good times and the bad times. You yeah. know, did you get absolutely? So, so, and, so that. Yeah, that film is done. Awesome, awesome. Has it, has it been out and and whatnot? Or yeah, it's been out for a few years. Okay. Yeah, we entered yeah. into some festivals and we have copies of it, and we provide it to 
you know, pretty much anybody free of charge. Okay. Yeah, maybe we can the, uh, maybe we can put a link to that in our in our show notes. That'd be great. Sure. Yeah. So I want to yeah, I want to so, talk oh, I want to talk a, a little bit about um, you know you you had mentioned um, you know how you got the inspiration for this was kind of driving back from Nashville just coming from the Country Music Hall of Fame. I can attest that it, it's an incredible place. You know, uh, I, I, I'll never forget seeing Bill Monroe's mandolin. You know, in, in mm-hmm. that glass case and some of the amazing relics. You know, and you just sit there and go, "Wow, what." There was a whole genre of music born out of that mandolin right there, you know, and you see Elvis mm-hmm. Presley's Cadillac and, you know, all the, the cool costumes and instruments and just reading the stories and everything. And I, I know you guys are trying to, uh, to, to to develop a permanent facility and, and be able to house memorabilia like instruments and archive these recordings and, and some of the just amazing you know, musical legacies that have come out of West Virginia. Uh, how is that per, per, progressing? Where is that whole um, idea of having a, a permanent facility? Well, over the f- 15 years, well, here, I'll back up one time. Before I started this thing, I visited the Georgia Music Hall of Fame, the Alabama Music Hall of Fame, and the yeah. Mississippi Music Hall of Fame. Awesome. And I talked to the people and um, Dave Johnson at the Alabama Music Hall of Fame kind of became my mentor and guru. And those three Hall of Fames, they, the Georgia, I think, is a, I think is it part state and part private or nonprofit. Mm-hmm. And then I think the Alabama one was totally a state organization. And the Mississippi one, was kind of the closest to us, was a complete you know, nonprofit unto itself. Um, and, and they were interestingly enough, their, uh, their ex their, uh, display place where they display their stuff was in an airport. Hmm. Um, a, they were redoing the restaurant for the Jackson, Mississippi international airport. And the, 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 the company that was, you know, paid to come up with some theme happened on to the Mississippi Music Hall of Fame and said, Hey, this would be a great deal. So anyhow, so that's what they do. But the but one of the things that everybody told me was the first thing you're gonna want to do is get a building. Don't do it because it can totally sink your whole deal. <laughs> and they were absolutely right on both counts. The first thing you want to do is get one and you know, it it you know, I was um you know, like I said, I've had to manage no profits. So I do, I'm very conscious of the bottom line. And, um, we were, we've been offered a number of buildings. Um, there was one we were serious about trying to get that didn't work out. And in the end, I'm glad it didn't because, you know, we, we don't have much of a regular income stream at all. We start almost from scratch every year, but, um, one of the, you know, one of the things my dad told me was the harder you try, the luckier you get. Mm. And when, um, you know, when, uh, the retail sector started tanking, um, the mall in downtown Charleston, the Charleston town center, which has been there since the eighties and is still in great, great shape, although it's hurting now. Um, 
there were some empty storefronts. So I approached the woman who managed it and um, we worked out a deal where we have a, almost a 4,000 square foot um, storefront there. Wow. And it's mostly exhibits, displays, but we do have, you know, some retail stuff. And it's it's turned out to be great. I mean, again, back before the virus, we, we'd we be open Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and probably have 70 or so people every day. And that's only from, say, 12 to 4 or something like that. Wow. And then we started having performances there once a month. And it was really, it was great. I mean, for us, it was it was a it was a whole different group of people that that would not have known about us. Yeah, yeah, so, that's that's um, cool. And I didn't even know that that was a part of the the you know the the Hall of Fame right now. So that is that's new information yeah, for me. And then, and we'll pass that along for sure. That's great. Right, and then we also have a permanent exhibit. Uh, we partnered with Carnegie Hall in Lewisburg, and they have a. Um, like a room where they have traveling exhibits and stuff. Well, we have a permanent exhibit in there now Excellent. and we rotate the items, but they're, they're kind of closed right now. So, yeah, absolutely. Michael, I want to take a second and just mention our sponsors that we have for positively West Virginia. They are insurance centers, the state journal, wvnews.com and interaction media. The support we receive from these West Virginia companies allow us to highlight incredible things happening throughout the great state of West Virginia. Our guest today is Michael Lipton. Michael is the director of the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame based in Charleston, West Virginia. And they just learned that they have a, uh, when, when things get opened back up, they have a, a space there in the Charleston Town Center. Michael, let's get back into it. What do you have as the vision like for the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame long-term? What does that look like? Well, um, you know, part of, part of the deal is when you are, you know, kind of a fledgling organization, and we certainly still are, although... I mean, I feel like our our body of work is pretty impressive. I mean, we this is our eighth induction ceremony coming up. They've all been broadcast live, except for this one. Yeah. From uh, on West Virginia Public Broadcasting, we've we've put out five CDs. The most recent was a CD tribute to Billy Ed Wheeler. We also did one a few years back to Little Jimmy Dickens, mm-hmm. and um, Bill Withers contributed a track to that, a spoken word mm. track called Raggedy Ann. Mm. And it's an, it's a, you know, it'll bring a tear to a glass eye. It's really, he, he really did a wonderful job. And it was also happened to be the last song he recorded for commercial release. Wow. Um, and it was, and it was also the first song he'd recorded for commercial release since 1987, I think. Wow. Um, so anyhow, so we, we're, we're a project driven organization. So we, you know, when we get an idea for a project then we go after the dough and try and make it happen. Yeah. Um, that said, you're kind of very, very, you know, you're kind of looking downward, uh, when you operate like that, you can't, you don't have too much time to look in front of you. Yeah. So, um, so I don't, you know, I guess, you know, our, our, our mission, you know, still stands and we still aim to do this. And I, I guess the biggest challenge for, for any nonprofit is to, to achieve some sort of self-sufficiency, even if it's with, um, annual, 
some kind of annual funding where you don't have to start from scratch every yeah, year. Absolutely. Because that's, that's a tough, exactly. that's a tough one. Exactly. And, and nonprofits, you know, across the board, I, I feel struggle with that from time to time and, and, uh, in, in the arts particularly. And that's kind of, I kind of put you in that category. I, I, I think that's, uh, that's a good thing that, uh, that you're, you're having that vision. It was interesting. I had a, um, when I was in college at WVU, I worked for the local radio station, uh, college radio station, U92, 917. And, uh, I started a program to archive the history of Morgantown, and uh, our, you know our local music scene. It was called uh, the Morgantown Sound, and it was a one-hour. Uh, oh yeah, music, yeah. No, I'm familiar with that music project. I started that with with my college roommate, and one of my first interviews that I ever did, very much like an interview I'm doing here, uh, was with a group called the Larrys out of Parkersburg in Vienna. West, West Virginia. Yeah. And and I noticed that Todd Burge, one of the founding members of that band is on your board. And I, 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 yeah. I, I hope he hears this and he'll remember that interview that I did at uh, Kim Monday's Frozen Sound Studios with those guys. It was a lot of fun. And uh, here I am all these years later uh, talking to a, a musician on an interview program. It's kind of, kind of interesting. Uh, Michael, you know, I, I'm really intrigued by your story. I love your passion and the fact that you're really just you've got this unbelievable drive to to uh, preserve these uh, influential people these musicians in West Virginia and, and the impact that they've had across across the globe really not just in the United States but music around uh, around the world what's what's one piece of advice you would give to people who are thinking about starting an entrepreneurial venture whether it's a nonprofit or a business what's one piece of advice you would give them um, well, the first thing I would do, um, is I would seek out people who are doing something similar mm. Mm. and pick their brains, maybe intern for them, you know, um, learn as much as you can, because if you can learn from someone else's mistakes and you're, you're way ahead of the game. Mm. And, and that's something that a lot of people, they don't really want to do that. And I, I completely understand that they got their own idea. They think they know it all. Everybody does. Yeah. And, um, you know, they think, well, someone else's deal didn't work because of this, but I, I got a better idea. So, but that's really not true. Yeah. And, and even if it is true, there's, it's, it's very good to, learn, you know, learn from other people. Absolutely. And then, you know, at the very least, maybe when some kind of trouble it's rearing his head, you'll, it's head, you'll go, Oh yeah, yeah I remember this. <laughs> and now I can take some evasive action. Yeah. It, it, um, there's a lot to be said, you know, about being in proximity to people who are actually doing it, right? You can say you want to do it, but getting around those people that are actually doing it is is very powerful, and I I think you can learn from them. Oh, yeah. Well, there's no substitute for it. And, I mean, I would also say do not try and do it all yourself, even if Mm. you think you can do it. Mm. Um, Like, get a good team of people around you and Mm. get people – you know, that get people that are better than you. I love it. I love it. Um, I'll share this, and, I'll share this with you, Michael. And this is kind of a t- dovetails right into that. I had this thought the other day and it was, you know, surround yourself 
with people who believe in you, right? And make it one of your missions not to let them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's, uh, you know, so there's a lot of lessons there. What's one book or ev- even a podcast that you'd recommend for, you know, people that are um, out there trying to create their ge- dream, bring something to, to fruition, maybe an entrepreneur or small business owner? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Say that again. I, I missed. It, it, one book or podcast you'd recommend for aspiring people, business people. Uh, I'm not, I don't really listen to podcasts very much. Um, and I, I think, I guess I'm, I opted not to go to college. I kind of, I was supposed to go to Northwestern for journalism and I just turned it down and I ended up staying in West Virginia and I feel like I learned more here than I could have going to school. And I also feel like when, you know, I ran a newspaper for 15 years and I dealt with all kinds of people, people who had and I'm just using this as an example who had studied journalism and people who hadn't studied journalism. And you know something? There wasn't a whole lot of difference. Mm. Mm. If if you have if you have I mean obviously the passion, but if you also have a talent and a skill, there's no substitute for that. And I guess, you know, maybe this isn't the kind of advice or commentary you wanted to hear, but I think there's no substitute for going out and doing it. Yeah, and that's awesome. And, and I, and I think that, um, you know, I guess there's, uh, there's uh, academics are necessary, I guess, but I think that going out and just doing it and sometimes you're going to stumble and sometimes you're going to, you know, I, I, I just think that's, uh, that's, that's the most important thing to do. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, education and learning takes place in a variety of ways, right? The key is never yeah, stop. But, never but stop. Doing learning. it in a practical, yeah. doing, you know, learning it from a book. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Depending yeah. on what it is. I mean, if you're yeah. a doctor, of course, <laughs> but I mean, but if you're doing some of these, you know, if you're doing some other things, you know, like songwriting, I mean, go out and write songs. I mean, there's no, recipe for writing songs. I mean, if you, if you look at some of the most successful songs, they don't follow any of any of the patterns, right. you know, whether it's like, you know, one, one, we always, an example we always use is, um, geez, I can't remember what his name is. Wild thing. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no, he's been on mountain stage a bunch and actually he came down to the empty glass afterwards and we played some of angel of the morning and we played wild thing with him. Um, and 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 there's a reason for that because it's like oh that's different you know you, you didn't follow a formula um, you know and not to say that formulaic songs make lots of money yeah. uh, I mean you know but um, but the ones I think the songwriters that are really remembered and that it doesn't always translate into making money are the ones that bring something different to the table. Mm. And that's why sometimes it takes longer for them to get recognized. But when they do, you know, and there's all kinds of examples of that from, you know, Van Morrison, Frank Zappa, Mm. Tim Buckley. I mean, you know, these are singular people, singular artists, whether it's their voice or their songs or their arranging or their style. Mm. Um, and it took them all a while to get started. 
Yeah. But, you know, they are, they are the artists that people look to now. Yeah, absolutely. Michael, I want to give you an opportunity. You you touched on the fact that we've got the, the 2020 Hall of Fame induction ceremony for the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame coming up Saturday, November 14th from 7 to 9 p.m. How's What's the best way, folks? I know it's not a live thing in person, but what's the best way for people across West Virginia and across the country to, to tune in and see this year's inductees? Okay, well... Geez, I've been a little remiss. That's what I was supposed to <laughs> talk about. No, this I um, love the backstory. It's awesome. Um, yes, it, it will be broadcast from seven to nine p.m. on West Virginia Public Broadcasting on November fourteenth, a Saturday, yep. a week from this coming Saturday. And uh, you can, if you're in West Virginia, you can watch it on WVPB, or you can stream it on wvpublic.org. You can also stream it on their Facebook site. And if you remember, you can watch it on Passport. Yeah, awesome. And we'll make sure we have and links to all those things in our show notes for sure. Give us a rundown of who the 2020 inductees are. Okay. Um, let me see. Ethel Kathy Austin, who's a, uh, a black gospel singer who's spent her whole life in West Virginia, although she's played all over the world, but she's... She's her passion is to bring gospel music to people and bring people together and educate people. She's an, like a lifelong educator, mm. um, and she's touched many, many lives and just a incredibly powerful singer and piano player. Uh, the Davis Twins, Sonny and Honey Davis, um, they're like a classic country rockabilly brother sister duo. And uh, at one point, they were voted the second most popular vocal duo in the country. Wow. Or country duo. Wow. Country duo in the country. I mean, they were getting, I don't know, thousands, many thousands of pieces of mail a day. Wow. And um, they're 94. And unfortunately, Honey passed away last year, but... Thankfully, she was at the press conference when we announced that they were being inducted. Oh. Sonny is 94, and um, he's failing a little, but he's still sharp, really sharp. Um, let me see. The Hammonds family. They are kind of the first family of West Virginia traditional music. Um, and if you're going to, if you want to start to learn about West Virginia traditional music, that's who you should start with. Okay. There's a whole a whole family. There's, I, I think there's at least five people we're recognizing. Um, Ed and Hammonds, Maggie Hammonds, uh, Sherman, and uh, the great grandson, I believe, of Lee Hammonds is Trevor Hammonds, and he accept he's accepting the award, and also he's carried the mantle of this music. He's a, a, a very, very good and true uh, traditional banjo player. Awesome. Um, Mace Nutter. He is from uh, the Bridgeport area, Clarksburg, Bridgeport, and a, a fascinating career. He's recorded, his music was out on, I don't know, half a dozen major labels. Hmm. Um including he was um, 
the first artist signed to Frank Zappa's straight records label. Wow. And, um, very cool. And Mate said that, that Zappa started the label for him. And, um, and it was very, and the music was not anything like, if you're familiar with Zappa's music, it was not like that at all. Um, but it is, it, you know, one of the things, the threads that we see run through a lot of these artists is just, there's this quirky West Virginia thing. And I love it. I mean, and, and his songs, I mean, some of them are kind of country, but some of the early ones are like just stone, like R and D stuff. And they were recorded uh, at stacks, I believe. And uh, he was also a character actor. He was in Gunsmoke, Little House on the Prairie, Dukes of Hazard, like half a dozen of those shows. And oh, Pat cool. Boone is um, presenting his award and they were both going to be here. Um, but that never happened. So we got it all filmed out in Bakersfield and Pat mm. presents his award and then Mafe sings a song and Pat Boone sings a song of Mafe's that he recorded in the 60s. Wow, cool. Um, then uh, finally, last but not least, is Larry Gross. And he's uh, kind of a guy who needs no introduction on many, many levels. Um, you know, he's known for being uh, the co-founder and the host of Mountain Stage. We've done, I think, 900 and almost 970 shows. Hmm. This is our 36th year. Wow. Um, and there's been literally thousands of groups come, you know, come through on Mountain Stage. But, um, and this is true for all these people, you know, you may think, oh, okay, well, Larry's just on Mountain Stage. Wrong. I mean, he's he's done... I don't know, six or eight records for, for Disney records and like four or five of them are, um, platinum and still for sale. Hmm. Um, he's done so many different things. It's, it's incredible. I mean, um, one of the interesting things in these vignettes that we produced, he did a pilot show that was supposed to, I think it was supposed to replace captain kangaroo or something like that. <laughs> okay. And I think, and and, and and they made the pilot, and he wrote the theme song, and Ry Cooter played it with him. And this was back in you know the the seventies. Oh my gosh! Um, but I mean, the stories just go on and on and on. And besides, uh, or in addition to Larry's resume, he's just um, he's helped so many people and so mm -hmm. many. He's been in he one of the first things he did when he lived up in uh, Barber County. He had a he had a school of dance in Morgantown, um, a ballet school hmm. that he started. Um, you know, he's done God, just so many different things. That's I mean, amazing. I've known him for thirty seven years, I guess, and you know, I still hear new new crazy stories of of things he's done. I love it, and that's really what uh, connects us all. These incredible stories. Once again, the twenty twenty Hall of Fame induction ceremony of the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame will be Saturday, November 14th from 7 to 9 p.m. And you can check that out on wvpublic.org uh, for West Virginia Public Television. In closing, Michael, just uh, uh, first of all, I've enjoyed our interview. How can our listeners learn more about the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame and maybe even get in contact with you? Yeah, there's, um, well, the website is uh, www wvmhof.com that's West Virginia Music Hall of Fame dot com yeah. um, all kinds of information there if you want to help support us 
hey, that would be great. If you want to volunteer or, you know, you mentioned my my drive. Well, my drive is diminishing a little, and I would love to find someone to come on board to, you know, groom to take this to the next level or next generation. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, love that. You know, we're we're always, always looking for help, ideas, you know, and it doesn't have to be money, but hey, money's cool too. Yeah. And or, or, you know, if you have some things you want to donate that will, uh, um, you know, sometimes people want an instrument of their family members displayed. We do that and we put a little bio next to it with a photo. How cool so, is that? Um, That's awesome. I love it. Well, we'll make sure that we have Michael uh, contact information, your link there to the website right in the show, ni- show notes section of the website, PositivelyWV.com. Michael, it's been a real honor to have you on the show today. I think what you're doing is incredible, and I just want to encourage you to keep up the great work and keep this legacy rolling. Well, folks, that's a wrap on another episode of Positively West Virginia. Positively West Virginia is brought to you by Insurance Centers, The State Journal, WVNews.com, and Interaction Media as we continue on our journey to help share positive stories of companies and organizations and people doing amazing things all across the Mountain State, just like my new friend Michael Lipton and the West Virginia Music Hall of Fame in Charleston, West Virginia. Our hope is that we in some way equipped you and maybe even inspired you with this story. If you or someone you know would be a great guest on the show, drop us a line on our website, PositivelyWV.com. And of course, we appreciate your comments, your suggestions, uh, your referrals for for great guests. Uh, And we also encourage you to share these stories on your social media channels as well. And be sure to check out our weekly show, Small Business Masterminds, every Friday from 11 to noon on this Facebook Live channel, where we bring you a panel of business experts from around the state each week to help small business leaders win. Positively West Virginia is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and learn more about our mission of advancing small businesses and entrepreneurship in West Virginia at PositivelyWV.com. On behalf of our entire Positively West Virginia team, until next time, I'm your host, Jim Matuga. Stay positive, West Virginia.